Jansen joining us? All right, Cam Jansen, formerly of the Blues and the New Jersey Devils on the line. Now, this is a request from Craig from Oshawa. It's a Pantera track we used to use for Cam Jansen here on First Stop. Now Cam has abandoned us for his own radio show in St. Louis. It's Korolik and Koliakovo. Great guy. Fantastic individual. Uh, This morning, Darren Dreger is going to join us in about 40 minutes. Man, what a night in the NHL. Another huge deal going down. One week until the trade deadline. But we begin the second hour with an admission from yours truly. I hit a raccoon on the way in today. Oh, no. Yeah, I did. I did. Pulling out of my parking garage. Make a left. Run that thing right over. And I didn't know what to do. What do I do? Stop and like help it? Like I had to get to work, and so I, I don't. Just, I didn't feel good about it. I just like I'm like ooh, like I felt so, a little look. Okay, little bump. so you live in a condo building. Yep. Pull out of the parking garage. I make. I, it, I turn left to get out of the facility. Yeah. The little roundabout that I have, and there's a cooner right there. I hit the cooner pretty good. Really, it's a tough one. But there's wasn't there tons of snow in your parking lot? No, it's been like shoveled out of there. Oh, it's okay. Fine. And it just like kind of scurried right across as I'm turning yeah, left. Like, what are you supposed to do, man? I don't know. Someone's going to be like, ooh, this guy. Someone ran over a raccoon this morning. I don't feel good about it, obviously. I feel bad about it. That's tough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I looked, and there was not a lot. Of, there was nothing, no remnants on the car. So it was all Oy. good. Yeah, it was kind of gross. Yeah. It was kind of gross. But maybe, Poor guy maybe was going for an early morning like booty call, and you just ruined well, his day. <laughs> I don't know if that's how raccoons operate, <laughs> but it's possible. He's like, all right, big day ahead. Let's go visit Miss, those, Mrs. Those raccoon. Those creepy guys, man. I mean, was there a dumpster nearby? Because that's usually where they hide. No, there's, out. there's dumpsters everywhere nearby my that, near that area. But yeah, R.I.P. Well, the raccoon, a raccoon. Sorry. Yeah, R.I.P. Sorry about that's that. a tough one, man. But um, what would be like? I've I've had encounters with skunks. Ooh, like I like if it was a skunk, I'd be more concerned. Like I remember, I shared this on the air when it happened. You get out, like so. I walk out of my front door, close to five o'clock in the morning. And walk down my steps, and boom, raccoon on my driveway. And it's like, or not raccoon, skunk, skunk yep. on my skunk, driveway. That's and more I'm problematic. Like, I, you know, your brain's not really processing much that, you know, that early in the morning at five a.m. So you take a second look. Okay, it's black. It's got a white tail. Okay, that's a skunk. What do I do now? I need to get into my car, and this thing is in the path. Of me getting into my car. So I literally hang out on the top of my steps with one hand on my door just in case it starts to scurry up and chase me up the stairs. And lo and behold, luckily it just scurried on away into the driveway. It got a little freaked out of me, but like, what do I do in that? You don't want to be sprayed by a skunk. Text us 1050. I also don't want to get chased by a skunk no. too at well, five o'clock in the morning. Good chance if you're being chased by a skunk, you're being sprayed by a skunk. Because <laughs> you are not fleet of foot anymore, my friend. Yeah, but no kidding. Uh, I mentioned this off the top. The big, I guess, before we went to break in the at the conclusion of the first hour, the big trade made yesterday in the NHL, and we've seen some big deals go down this year. Mm-hmm. And for a league that is not necessarily one that lends itself to big trades. Look at the Horvat trade. You had the O'Reilly trade. Uh, what am I Tarasenko. missing here? Tarasenko was traded. Yeah. And then last night, Dim- Dmitry Orlov, who is probably not the most familiar name to our audience, and you could attest to it as a guy top-pairing defenseman on he, the Stanley Cup winning Capitals. He is a top-pairing defenseman, is Dmitry Orlov. And yesterday he was traded to the Boston Bruins along with Garnet Hathaway, who's a fourth-line player, good player, tenacious four-checker, 
I think a guy who would be very comparable to Nolachari. I think that's yeah. how you could kind of look at it. Fair. That's the deal that was consummated between the Bruins and the Capitals. So Boston, a team that's been the best all year by far, they're going to win the President's Trophy running away probably by 10-plus points, have one of the best records in the last 25 years. They had a top pair of defensemen to go with McAvoy, to go with Grizzly, to go with Brandon Carlo, to go with Hampus Lindholm. It's, uh, that's a hell of a move by the Boston Bruins. And I think there will be people today, and I think I would lump myself into that conversation, that question, and we don't know what was available to Kyle Dubas at the time, but would you rather have Hathaway and Orlov or O'Reilly and Achari if you're the Maple Leafs? I'm not really sure how I would answer that yet, but there's definitely a compelling case to be made that you'd rather have Orlov simply because he fills, in my mind, the most glaring need for the Maple Leafs. A guy that can play a shutdown role against an opposing team's top line. And when you have Kucherov, Point, and Brandon Hagel, and Stamkos, and Sorelli, and all those guys coming at you, you need a guy who can play that role. And I'm not sure the Leafs really have that right yeah. now. TJ Brody and somebody else might be in that role. But I don't know who it is right now. The Look, Leafs still have time to go out and get it. Right. Get that piece. Who that is? Maybe it's Gavrikov now. I, I don't know because Gavrikov was going to be a Boston Bruin by all indications. And then Washington put Orlov in the market and the Bruins made the move for him. So I think the Leafs are in an interesting spot now where maybe there's a move to be made for Gavrikov that wasn't available before. Look, that's, that's an absolutely great question to ask today. But could we ask that question a week ago? when the Maple Leafs made the move for Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari? Because I'll be honest with you, a week ago I had no idea the Washington Capitals were even thinking of selling. Maybe they weren't. And which is why this move becomes very interesting to dissect. I think if you're asking me that question, I'm still choosing the Ryan O'Reilly-Noel Achari deal because you fill two voids in your offense and you still have the opportunity and the assets to go out and get that defenseman. Okay, it's not Orlov. And when the news broke yesterday, when the Capitals tweeted out that Orlov and Hathaway were not going to play because of trade-related reasons, I thought right away, I'm like, oh my God, this is a package that the Maple Leafs should definitely be in on. And I heard rumblings that they, they, they poked around on it, but I believe that when the Capitals made that announcement, they already had a deal in place with the Boston Bruins. So that's where they were heading. Where I become curious around this move and this decision with the Washington Capitals, it revolves around Alexander Ovechkin. Because Alexander Ovechkin wants to win, wants to play in the playoffs, and wants to break the scoring record. The timing of this meal, or of this deal, thinking of food right now because <laughs> 20 fingers love that yeah. one <laughs> the timing of this deal is very curious to me because it was the trade was made the same day Alex, Ove Alex Ovechkin came back to the lineup and getting Alex Ovechkin back in the lineup should have been a huge boost to this team that was has struggled in his absence while he was addressing the death, of, the, the death of his father. So he comes back into the lineup, and his first game back, one of his good buddies, Dmitry Orlov, gets traded. And what does that signify for the Washington Capitals? That they're committed to go into cell mode, and maybe making the playoffs isn't a primary concern on that. 
How do you sell that to Alexander Ovechkin? How do you sell a guy who wants to break the scoring record probably as a member of the Washington Capitals because that'll be the legacy he create, creates. But if you're starting to sell assets and now you may shift your focus into going into rebuild mode, you think Alexander Ovechkin wants to be part of that? Okay, that's an interesting question for one. My guess is he probably does. I don't think he's ever leaving Washington. And I don't think Dmitry Orlov signifies the end of their pursuit to make the playoffs or to be a competitive team. Here's how I would counter what you just said is... If Washington went to Orlov and was like, hey, like we want to sign you long-term, what's it going to cost? And he's like, $8 million a year, which is not unreasonable. That's probably what he's going to get as a free agent, right. something around that number. And Washington's like, we're not giving you that. That's not happening. Doesn't it make sense, all the sense in the world, to go out, bring in assets that you can use to improve your team, maybe not before the deadline, but in the offseason? Maybe. But how does eliminating a guy like Orloff and Hathaway help your chances of making the playoffs when right oh, it now... Doesn't. It definitely does. Unless they're going out and making another move. And we have seen that before. Right now, they're two points out of the playoffs on Detroit, who moved into the, the eighth seed like, what, last what, night. What if Washington trades for Luke Shen today? They, they, trade, like, they give up a third rounder for Luke Shen, and that's the, the, fill, that's the void filled by Orloff. But then why are you trading Hathaway? Well, I mean, they got a second round pick for him, basically. I mean, I don't know. He's a fourth know, like, liner. I mean, Hathaway's not the prize. To me, in that when you deal. make a move of that significance, you're basically signaling to your team that you're prepared to sell everybody. Everybody's on. And look, I mean, who's to say how much further Washington goes with this one? Does a guy like Tom Wilson become available? Well, and that's it. You look at the caps in Louisville. I mean, Nick, Nick, Nick Jensen on defense is another Kuznetsov. piece that I, I, would, I would look at. Like, I don't know. Like to me, when when this deal gets made, that's the first thing I think about. It's like, oh wait, you're supposed to celebrate Alex Ovechkin come back in the lineup and getting a win against Anaheim, the worst yeah. team in the league. <laughs> Instead, you totally deflate your group. You lose to Anaheim. You furthermore hurt your chances of making the playoffs because of that loss. Okay, what does that mean now? Mm-hmm. Well, for this season, I think it's pretty obvious the Caps don't view themselves and, and I, as I, a team. I'm, I'm on cap friendly right now, and I'm looking at Washington's. Um, defense core for next year. Why do I have this ad blocker coming up? Welcome to okay. TSN. <laughs> so, you know how many defensemen Washington has signed next year? One. One. John Carlson is the he, well, only... He's been hurt, too. The only defenseman they have signed beyond this season. They've had so many injuries there, man. I mean, it's hard to really draw. Like, Wilson so, and Backstrom missed most of the year. You know, Backstrom, co- Backstrom comes back for a late playoff push. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like it'll be interesting to see what more Washington does. It will know, be. They're they're an interesting team to watch, and I think Boston they made their move here, and that's an incredible move. It is. Boston's been the best team all year. I'm looking at the like, standings I think that right Boston, now. Boston, as good as they are, they are on pace to set the single season wins record. On pace for it, 63 wins, and they just got better. They're 44, eight and five. Yeah, they are 15 points up on they the Leafs. They just got with a game, better. and they got way better. They got way better. It's an amazing trade for Boston, and they should be commended because there were people who were saying, "Oh, don't make a deal. You don't want to mix or mess with the mix that you have that's been so successful." But uh, uh, you, I, I don't agree with that at all because when you have a team like this that is as good as as it is, and you have Krejci and Bergeron on their last legs, they're both playing great, great, even at their advanced ages. You go all in and grab. A guy like Dmitry Orlov, who can—this is not—you're not talking about bringing in a number one centerman here, who will 
mess with your chemistry, your top six forward group. That's not what they're doing here. They're going to bring in a guy who can slide right in on the second pair behind McAvoy and behind Hampus Lindholm and be exceptional. That's what Dmitry Orlov does. Mm-hmm. The awesome player. And they did a great job there. I think Don Sweeney should be commended. And I think the rest of the NHL should be cowering a little bit more this morning than they were this time yesterday. Uh, just a fantastic move by the Boston Bruins. And I'm looking at their top four right now. Lindholm, McAvoy, Orlov, Carlo. Yeah, and then they have Grizzly on the third pair. Like they're with, they're they're loaded. Connor Clifton. They're they're absolutely they're absolutely wow. loaded. They're absolutely and they loaded. Got those goaltenders in that. Yeah, Allmark. Maybe and, you should trade one of them. Yeah, that was the suggestion on <laughs> uh, on on Boston Sports Radio. And yeah, Linus Allmark's going to win the Vezina. Swayman's been awesome too. Look, you know why this move was motivated? Because you had a guy like Patrice Bergeron say, "I'm coming back for one more run, and you better do whatever it takes." Damn right. Damn make right. It happen. But I think the Leafs the Boston did the Bruins same thing. Top two centers make a combined three point <laughs> yeah. five million well, dollars stupid. a year. And I think there's some bonuses attached to that that will come into effect next year, which makes it even more of a pressing issue for them to go out and try to win this mm-hmm. year. But I think the Leafs did the same thing as Boston did yesterday. They looked at it, they're like, All right, we think we have a really good team. We think we have a chance here. Let's trade a first, a second, and a third or whatever it was. Uh, in the deal for O'Reilly and Achari. Maybe we bring them back next year. Maybe we don't. Like They're not going to be able to re-sign Dmitry Orlov in Boston. There's just no way. They don't have any money for that. Well, according to what Pierre Lebrun tweeted out yesterday, that this move is strictly a rental. Yeah, and I think that's that's a great move. And good Who on them. They, they, they don't care what fly. next year looks like. No, next year's going to be tough for Boston. They're going to have any cap space yeah. at all, and they're going to be, I mean, unless Bergeron and Krejci come back for nothing again, wouldn't that be nice? But they're going to be paying David Pasternak Twelve million, twelve and a half million dollars a year, which is totally reasonable. Mm-hmm. David Pasternak might score sixty goals this year. He's having an amazing season for the Boston Bruins. They have been essentially flawless all year long, and they got that much more imposing yesterday, bringing in Dmitry Orlov. The poll question is up on first up ten fifty. Should the Leafs have made a move on Orlov? And we don't know necessarily that move was a bit available for them to be making last week when they traded for Ryan O'Reilly, but. Perhaps we'll, po- we'll pose the question, would you rather have a O'Reilly and Achari or Orlov and Hathaway? And I think that's a compelling I'm question. I'm all over O'Reilly and Achari. I would never go back on this one. I think it was the right move, appropriate move. And See, I disagree. Good, I, I disagree. I would rather have Orlov and Hathaway personally. But I don't think it's an outlandish take. I don't think there's a right or a wrong. No, I think, I think you're talking about priorities here. And for me, I think the most I just glaring believe. hole for the Leafs is that shutdown... Pair, yeah. which Orlov could comprise, be part of with maybe Brody, maybe See, but Giordano. here's the thing. Here's the thing. There was an O'Reilly deal about to go down last last week, whether it was the Leafs or somebody else. The Blues were committed to move him, and they had a lot of interest on him to make a move at that time. At that time, Orlov and Hathaway were not were were, were not even being discussed. I know. So I you know. can't you can't sit here and say you would rather have these guys over that guy because at the time the Maple Leafs did their due diligence and said these two guys are available for us right now. These are the guys we're going to bring. These are the guys that are going to make us better. And I'm telling you right now, Ryan O'Reilly will make this. Of team course, better. of course. And what I'm proposing is, of course, revisionist history here right. because that wasn't something that was necessarily available. Right. But at the same time, I think it's a reasonable question to ask this morning. Boston trades for Orlov and Hathaway. Toronto trades for O'Reilly and Achari, and they give up the 
essentially the exact same deal. package in order to bring the Blue, those players the, the, in. The Maple Leafs gave up two American League deals, and I know why they did it is because they were stuck up against 49 contracts, and two contracts in had to mean two contracts in. And what else can't be omitted from this conversation is that the Maple Leafs aren't done. They're going to go out no. and get a defenseman. Now it's a matter of who it is. Is yeah. it Gavrikov? Is it Shen? We'll ask Darren Drager or Hockey Insider that question. He's up in about 25 minutes' time. We've got Pigeon or Peacock coming up on the other side. We'll talk to Anthony LaPanta at 8.30. Looking forward to that. Amit Mann and Matthew Cause as well at 9.10, the host of Gameplay. Jam-packed morning on First Up continues after this. This is a request from Kyle in Burlington. Kickstart my heart by the Motley Crew. That's a nickname that the O'Reilly-Marner-Tavares line was given. Mm. Marner, O'Reilly, Tavares, M-O-T. And, you know, they're a crew, a trio of dominance, at least for one night. The Leafs. And the Minnesota Wild tonight on TSN. And here on TSN 1050, it's time for Pigeon or Peacock. A pigeon is someone you don't respect. Maybe a bit of a bench warmer. Pigeon. You're all pigeons. Ah! Filthy, filthy pigeons. Or Peacock. I can, you can't keep me cooped up in here, okay? I am a peacock. You gotta let me fly. Ah! You just, you just call himself a peacock? So you know how this works. If you're a pigeon or the subject of our conversation here is a pigeon, it's not a good thing. It's not complimentary. It's kind of a loser. You're doing it wrong. A peacock, though, it's like you, buddy. You're a peacock. Gotta let him fly. A true stud like Carlo Koliak. I'm a peacock! You gotta let me fly! Gotta let him fly. Let me fly. So, cheese. Cheese. (laughs) What are we talking about today on pigeon or peacock? We have got some good ones lined up. Let, let's start with the Leafs. Am I a pigeon or am I a peacock? If I were to say that the Leafs have to make a significant addition on the blue line after watching the Bruins acquire Dmitry Orlov. Uh, I, look, I think you're a pigeon for saying that because <laughs> um, you drink two coffees in the morning. Um, That's not why you're a pigeon. No, it's not why you're a pigeon. I just, to me, like, I don't overreact on a move that Boston makes because clearly if the Maple Leafs don't win their playoff round against the Tampa Bay Lightning, what does it matter what the Bruins do at the deadline and to improve their team? If you get to the second round, it's already a win as it is because you won a playoff round. And who cares what Boston did and what good their team is? If you get to the second round, that means that the things you did to make your team better helped you get to that point. And reminder, when you get to the second round, there's eight teams remaining in the playoffs. When there's eight teams remaining, I'm sorry, there is no clear-cut favorite. You still got to play the game. So, no, I I, I think the Maple Leafs should make another upgrade to their blue line, bring in another veteran piece. But if they don't, I'm not necessarily counting them out because the Bruins acquired Orlov. No, no. I don't think this is a move that the Maple Leafs need to answer. It's not like, oh, the the Bruins got Orlov. We must go out and get Eric Carlson. Like, no, no. That's not how they're going to approach it. I also question the definition, Cheese, of significant. Like, would you consider Gavrikov significant? I would. All right. Gavrikov, Luke Shen, significant? Uh, yes, you're, you're kind right, of so entering then, the area where so let's, let's below, just, maybe not. Let's label this. Significant is a top four defenseman. I guess, I guess the question is, Luke Shen a top four defenseman? Maybe, maybe. If you acquire Luke Shen, he's playing in your top four. Perhaps. He might be on your shutdown pair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think the least will address something. Maybe it's Shen. Maybe it's Mayfield. Maybe it's Gavrikov. Maybe it's someone else we're not even thinking of. But I am quite certain they're going to trade for somebody. 
on the back end. He'll play a significant role come postseason. So I tell you what, we're all pigeons if we believe that Kyle Dubas will not make another move to acquire oh, it's, defense. It's a lock. Because if we've lock. learned anything from Kyle Dubas... He is never shy to make a move to improve this team. So as a He's follow- proved it in the past, and I'm pretty sure he knows that he needs to do it in a- this season. As a follow-up here, who would you say is the most likely guy to come out of the lineup then for the Leafs on the back end? Well, I think it's pretty f- safe to say that Justin Hall is the, is the prime oh, really? candidate to come out. I mean, oh, I, think, I, thought, I would think it would be Rasmus Sandin. I, if Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren are on this team when the playoffs start, you cannot play another playoff series without those guys playing any games. Then what's the point in having them here? Well, I mean, I'm not saying that Rasmus Sandin or Timothy Lilligren, for instance, won't play at some point in the playoffs, but maybe not for a game one. I mean, it's all about Why depth, not? right? I mean, last year, for instance, Hall was a healthy scratch for the game first one. two games yeah. of the series against Tampa, and then he played the rest, the, of, the the, the rest of the series. So. Yeah. You know, you kind of move things around game to game. Injuries happen. Agreed. So, but if we've learned anything of when everybody's healthy on who they chose to take out of the lineup, it was Justin Hall. So if yeah. everybody's healthy... And you Hall bring, plays a significant role in the penalty kill. Maybe they bring in a guy well, who will take any, that role. Anybody that you're bringing in is probably going to replicate that same role. Probably. I think so, you're probably looking for a upgraded Justin Hall. But, I mean, I think they like him. I think Keith likes it him. He plays a, a lot of minutes. It would be a disservice to the organization and a disservice to... Sandine and Lilligren's development if you go another playoff round and not give these guys playoff games. I also think it depends who they trade for as well, right? I mean, it could fit a different mold. Like, if they find a more offensively gifted defenseman, which I don't expect to be the case, then maybe you do consider keeping all in the lineup, mm. taking Sandine out. But I think the left side might be, or the right side, I should say, might be their primary like if, focus. If Washington's selling and Nick, Yen- Nick Jensen's available... Like, I'm calling Washington right now, making that deal for him. Mm-hmm. Right-handed shot, experienced guy, the guy that can skate, a guy that can move the puck. He had a hell of a highlight real goal yesterday. He I mean, he's, not, he's not a guy that I look at for offense, but he's a guy that I would look at for experience and, you know, plays with a little bit of grit. You just want someone you can trust when, or at least a, 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 probably a, not semblance, cost much to get him either. a semblance of trust when you have Kucherov on the ice, Stamkos on the ice point on the ice because again I, I just don't know who the Leafs like when those guys go out there for 20 minutes who are you matching them up with at on, when you have home ice I don't know the answer I think that's something the Leafs are searching for over the next seven days so you mentioned it already we do have some breakfast coming our way so we've got a breakfast themed question is Kawhi Leonard a peacock or a pigeon for ranking pancakes in front of waffles and French toast for a recent social media video. We actually have the clip here. Why don't you go ahead and play it, Chrissy? I'm going to start pancakes. I think pancakes is just anybody could eat those. Put the waffles on the bench. Waffles is one of my favorites, so I'll bring it off the bench and trade the French toast. Not too many people can make good French toast. (laughs) (laughs) I think Kawhi is spot on. When you have excellent French toast, though, when you have like really well-made French toast, I think it's the best of the three. It's the peacock. But it's the hardest to really get right. Yeah. 
But I love a good French toast. Well, you can say the same thing about pancakes. Yeah, but pancakes, not? they're good at all times. No, I find. not really. I mean, I mean pancakes, you if you throw really chocolate chips in oh, them, my goodness. they make them extra fluffy. Maybe some macadamia nuts? Mm. No, definitely not macadamia are that's, a, that's those You, you that's feed pigeon? the macadamia nuts to the, <laughs> to the pigeons. pigeons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, to me, Kawhi Leonard's a peacock in this. Because if, if I had to choose out of those three options, pancakes hands down with melted butter. Not with syrup, with melted butter. On top. Oh. Do you make that for the family on My weekends? My kids love pancakes, man. <laughs> I don't make it. We actually order pancakes. From, from where? Oh, God. What's the name of the place? Cora's? It's not Cora's. Like Sunset Grill? Sunset Grill. Like in Oakville. In Oakville. Yep. Sunset Grill. They make the biggest, fluffiest, flavorful pancakes. <laughs> All right. Shout out to Sunset Grill yes. in Oakville. Go ahead, Cheese. Is it a pigeon take or a peacock take to say that Shea Gilgis Alexander has the potential to be the greatest Canadian NBA player in NBA history wow. when his career is all said and done? So right now we'd have Steve Nash as that. Yeah. I would say so, yeah. two, two NBA MVPs. Here's yeah. the thing about Gilgis Alexander. He's averaging 31 a game. Like He's definitely a top 10-ish player right now. And I don't know, but is he ever going to get to MVP level? That's a level? pigeon take. I don't know. He's like, what? How old is Shea Gilgis Alexander? 23, 24? I believe he's 25. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a kid still. He's got a long, long runway. So you call him a peacock? I think it's a peacock take. I think it's definitely a possibility for Shea because he could put up numbers over the course of his career that could dwarf anything that Steve Nash has put up. And obviously, when you have the MVPs, it's hard to really argue. But what if Gilgis Alexander gets a finals MVP, which I don't think is. Is an impossibility. I mean, now they have like a trillion draft picks in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Got to package a bunch of them and uh, bring in some studs, and Shea could so, uh, do some damage. To me, it's a pigeon take, and it could change in in the, the, the simplest way. I have an autographed Steve Nash Phoenix Suns jersey. If Shea Gildress Alexander gives me one of his signed... <laughs> OKC sign, uh, uh, jerseys, then maybe he can catch up to Steve Nash. But Steve Nash will never, ever leave my list of top Canadian basketball players. Never. What if Gilgis Alexander wins like the next seven MVPs? You still have Steve Nash there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Steve <laughs> Nash reasonable. is the man. Steve Nash. Ah! We, all, we all love Steve, Steve Nash. Steve Nash made me a fan of basketball. I'm not, yeah, I mean, Steve so Nash is awesome. When Steve Nash and the Phoenix Suns basically transformed seven seconds or less the way the NBA was played except for when Steph Curry entered the league but that Mike D'Antoni year where Amari Stoudemire Joe Johnson it was the funniest thing in the world to bet the over in those games it was crazy they would just put up points with ease I was so that there's a great book called seven seconds or left written by Jack McCallum that documents that season uh, where they kind of changed their philosophy and were up-tempo. They and, got screwed by the rest And shot a ton of threes. NBA. The Phoenix Suns from that year, I think it was maybe 2005, 2006, would have taken the 21st most threes in the NBA this year. And they were, take, they were like blowing everybody else out of the water. That was the Q Rich year. Yeah, Q too. Rich was there. Leandro Barbosa. Yeah, they just fired up trades. Amari Stoudemire, yeah. Shane, or Sean, Mar- Sean Marion. That a, a terrible, terrible shot. shot. It was heinous, but him, it worked. Him and uh, Noah, Joe jo- 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 Noah. Joe Noah, yeah. The worst, free th- the worst shooting. Yeah, somehow Marion like, was an amazing shooter. Oh, my God, still. he was amazing. He could fill it up from everywhere. But you guys be cool. Yeah. Oh, is that cool, Q Rich? Oh, that was Q Rich. Oh, wow, thank you, Q Rich. But you guys be cool.
Yeah. We are cool. We appreciate that. It's very nice of you to say. We are cool. Play it one more time. So you guys be cool. See, yeah. he was a way better actor than Kevin Garnett was. No, absolutely not. Garnett had a much better role what in Uncut Gems. What do you mean, Hugh Rich in, um, in Van Wilder? Van Wilder? No. Come on, dude. He was in like he was in there for like ten seconds. Probably Garnett be- Garnett was great. Yeah, I love. I'm a big fan of the big ticket. Did he prepare harder for a movie than he did for playing NBA games? I don't think horrible he, question. I don't think he needed to. What a horrible. Question. You guys cool. <laughs> Go ahead, cheese. We got time for one more. All right, is uh, is Red Sox prospect Tristan Cassis a pigeon or a peacock for having a pregame routine that included sunbathing on the field and pregame naps? The routine reportedly left some of his veteran teammates uh, not so impressed on the Red Sox. Okay, pregame naps is sort of a thing. Like, that's what athletes normally do. Pregame sunbathing? I love it. What? That is such a pigeon move. There's pictures of him just lying on the foul line. No no tarp, just taking it all in. So uh, is that part of his routine to take a nap? Because bathing in the sun would normally resort you to sleep. Make sure to wear sunscreen. Dangerous. Oh, you fall asleep in the sun, you are cooked. Well, I think that's done. a peacock move. You're done. That prospect is a boss. Also, we're talking about him on first stop, so he deserves some love. Darren Dreger up in eight minutes. The inside story on the Dimitri Orlov trade to the Bruins. And how will the Toronto Maple Leafs proceed with the deadline seven days away? That's coming up here on First Up TSN 1050. You guys be cool. Darren Dreger in about five minutes, our TSN Hockey Insider. will tell you about the latest with the Leafs, the latest with the Capitals and the Bruins. A huge trade made last night with Dregs and... Lots of good stuff happening in the NHL if you're interested in trades. This song is Say Something, a uh, request from Dean in Montreal. Keep the request coming. Should 10, we force 50, Dreger to 50. say something with us this morning? Yeah, he, oh, Darren Dreger always says something. Say it, Dreger. Always Break says a trade. Say it. Uh, a couple texts coming in. Morning, boys. Went to the Raps game last night via the Reveal That Raptor Ooh. tickets. Congratulations. We'll be announcing our winner uh, a little bit later in today's program for How about the, the upcoming game. this guy had? So this guy had amazing seats. They are amazing seats, by the way. Make sure to... Listen to the First Up podcast for the mystery raptor, the clues that enter. You know how the deal works, Coco. So make sure to do it and listen in because great seats, great time. Here's what this fella piled on as far as food. Jerk chicken sandwich, prime rib sandwich, aw yeah baby, right? <laughs> 56 ounces of beer, vodka cocktail, and a bag of M&M's. Wow. 56 ounces of beer. I wonder beer. what that cost. What's that, four pints? Time. That was probably a $150 meal. Oh, easily. Easily. At Scotiabank. Respect. Respect yeah. to you, sir. Jerk Respect to chicken you. sandwich. They actually have that at Scotiabank Arena now? Man, there used to be a place close to the studio here where... We went to it one time. It's called Island Spice. Yes. I don't, do we the, go there the once? Jerk chicken. Yeah. Christoph and I used to go yeah. all the time, probably like 10 years ago now, but yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's still around. Maybe mm. we'll, take, we'll take a peek after the uh, program has concluded, but still, so much great stuff to get to here on First Up. Darren Dreger coming up. Anthony LaPanta. I don't know why I'm doing the Italian accentuation. Yeah, I'm going to say it normally. Anthony LaPanta will join us from the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> Ahmed Mann on the Raps. Big win for them. Matthew Cause and Matt Larkin as well. More first up. Dreger next. TSN 1050. This is Leafs Breakfast.
It is the Leafs and the Minnesota Wild tonight down at Scotiabank Arena. You can watch the game on TSN. I imagine you can see our next guest on the broadcast. He is TSN hockey insider Darren Dreger. Seven days until the trade deadline. Good morning, Dregs. What's going on? Hey, guys. Good morning. Yeah, I'll be uh, on the broadcast tonight with the Leafs and the Minnesota Wild. And uh, your math is also accurate, AK. Yes. Uh, we can tell the trade deadline, and it feels like... Uh, it's 77 days from now. That's <laughs> how it feels for me. I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, things got cooking big time last night, and a big deal made between the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins. Boston trading for yeah. Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway. And right. I don't know like how recently you would know this, Dregs. Orlov hit the market because Washington's a team that's still in the playoff mix, right? I mean, it's not like they're out of it. Orlov's a legit top four defenseman. How recent did these negotiations, how recently did these negotiations between the Caps and the Bruins take place? Well, there would have been discussions between the Bruins and the Capitals, uh, I would say, for days, right? You know, I mean, it's not like Brian McCullen, the GM of the Washington Capitals, woke up and said, okay, today is the day I need a hard answer. I'm either going to move forward with a contract extension for Dmitry Orlov, or uh, I'm going to embrace the interest that's in the trade market. But specific to your point and the word you use, negotiation, I think that's where it really came to fruition yesterday. I'm sure the Caps were pushing uh, the agent for Dmitry Orlov. Find out what the term looked like. You know, Washington probably wanted a four- or five-year term. Maybe the player wanted a little bit more security than that. So what does a four-year term look like? What does a five-, six-year AAV look like for Dmitry Orlov? And then you make your decision. And I think at that point, that's where McClellan went, "Uh, yeah, you know what, I don't like the look of a six-year term at whatever the AAV was, so it is time for me to move. Otherwise, you know, I think that there was some play between Boston and Columbus and Gavrikov. I think it was a little bit overblown in terms of how close they were or the interest. But if you're Brian McCullough in the Washington Capitals, you don't like the number that you feel like you're, you're going to have to pay to keep Dmitry Orlov. And you know that the Boston Bruins, who are ready to move on Orlov and Hathaway, are about to turn and go a different direction. What do you do? Well, you make that call. That's what you do. Um, so I got a lot of time for how the Washington Capitals manage this, especially when I look at the Jake Chickren situation in Arizona that continues to linger. And, uh, you know, Gavrikov and the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm pretty sure Yarmo Kekalainen wasn't thrilled with what he saw yesterday <laughs> when uh, Boston closed the deal with the Washington Capitals. And and as you have reported on insider trading, amongst others, I mean, it sounded like Gavrikov and the Bruins, there was maybe a mutual understanding there that something could transpire. Now that Boston goes out and brings in Orlov, where does that leave Gavrikov and yeah, Columbus? Yeah, playing him now? I, I think he's been out for trade-related reasons, right? But, I mean, does that make his price... Does that bring it down, or are there still a number of interested suitors, and are the Maple Leafs one of them? Yeah, we don't know that the Maple Leafs are one of them. Um, for me, it's a difficult fit. You know, how do you make that work? I mean, anything is doable, as we've been shown in the last couple of trades, right, because of how these creative general managers have farmed out money 
Yeah, just you make know, you sure you have, have the Minnesota teams, Wild involved. <laughs> you, you just need the Minnesota Wild to take on another 25%. But, yeah. you know, there are teams that are willing to, to broker. There's no doubt about that. I don't think it really hurts the market for Gavrikov. I don't, because, like I said, I, I mean, I'm sure that, that Boston was interested, but, you know, were they ever super close? We may never know that. Um, and if you're a team like Toronto or Edmonton or any other team that's in the market for a defenseman, you know, doesn't it help you? Because it, it removes one big player from the equation, in this case being the Boston Bruins. Gavrikov's a good player. He's a good defenseman. So um, I don't I don't think Kekalainen is, uh, is, is going to lose too much sleep over the Boston Bruins no longer being in play. Uh, he just has to restart serious conversation and trade discussions with some of the other clubs that might have been down the list. Dregs, does this move by the Washington Capitals basically tell themselves that they're full selling, like full going into full sell mode? Because the timing yeah. of this deal was very curious to me. It was the same night that they welcomed Alexander Ovechkin back to the lineup after mourning the death of his dad, and they're playing the Anaheim Ducks. They were losers of five in a row. You know, you could have used that win yesterday to really kickstart your team. Instead, sure. you kicked them in the you-know-what by trading the two players. Where does Washington go from here, and what type of message does that send to Ovi and the rest of the older guys on that team? Yeah, it's it's not an easy one, but they're expiring contracts. And again, if you if you know that you you're not comfortable with the extension numbers that are on the paper for Dmitry Orlov, what do you do? And if you don't think you're going to get more than what you got from the Boston Bruins, it, you know, is it is it worthwhile to wait? Um, I'm sure Brian McCall was not expecting his team to drop the ball against the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, they're two points out of a playoff spot. And you mentioned Ovechkin coming back. I think that that is really why the Washington Capitals aren't going to embrace one of the R words, retool, renovate, rebuild. They're just, they're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe similar to what Doug Armstrong and the Blues are doing. I think they're going to fully try and transition on the fly here because the record that uh, that Ovechkin is chasing matters to the organization. They'd like to see him win another Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. So there is that internal incentive to, you know, maybe change the core a little bit, shake things up, look after your expiring contracts, but do so while trying to remain competitive and 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 maybe build for a much better, stronger team for next year. So. I don't think they're throwing in the towel. And I, I think last night's game against Anaheim would be as disappointing to McClellan, uh, to Peter Laviolette, to, to everyone, as it was to the fan base. Our guest is TSN Hockey Insider Darren Dreger here on Leafs Breakfast. The Ryan O'Reilly Noel Achari trade was made one week ago today, if I'm not mistaken. Friday, yes. Last Friday. Do you think, Dregs, that Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs had any inkling? that Dmitry Orlov could have been available when they made the Ryan O'Reilly trade? Man, you keep digging in this. Um, I, yeah, they would have known he could have been available. Okay? I mean, again, look at his contract, right? Now, did they believe that there was uh, a chance that you know he'd go to a better rival, the Boston Bruins? How do you know that? How do you know that? I, it's just, look, look at any team that has expiring contracts, and you will find some form of trade conversation. You will. 
it's certainly been no secret that the Boston Bruins have been in the market for a defenseman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I think wrongly most of us looked at Gavrikov and thought that he likely, or maybe Jake Chikrin to Boston. So maybe the Dmitry Orlov scenario played itself out more quickly than people were expecting. But I don't know, man. I mean, uh, I think that Toronto should be looking for some help on that blue on the on the blue line. I don't think that that defense is in shambles. And I look at the two forwards that they acquired, and I think defensively the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be a much better team because of the way Noel Achari plays the game and the way that Ryan O'Reilly plays the game. So if if there's uh, an opportunity to add a defenseman that obviously is going to be an upgrade on what they have, then I'm sure Dubas is going to try and do that. But I'm not going to go through every player that gets traded and say, do you think Toronto should have been on this guy or that guy? We can't do that. Oh, man, you just ruined my next question. I was going to ask you about other players. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I told, you think the Leafs, like, Garnet Hathaway, Trey? I, told, I totally <laughs> yeah. agree with you. I'm, I I would way rather yeah. have the O'Reilly-Ochari deal uh, if I'm the Maple Leafs, and now you just try to fill the void to yeah. you know see what defenseman is out there. But just to stick with the Boston Bruins, they win last night yeah. in Seattle. They're on pace to break the single-season wins record in the NHL at 63. It's hard to imagine a team as good as they are right now would actually find a way to get better. And with the move that they made yesterday, do you think this was a response move based on what the Maple Leafs did? Or was this something that they were going to do regardless? Yeah, I feel that it was something they were planning on doing, Carlo. I do. Um, But to get the package, and, and look, I mean... Toronto, of course, would have been interested in Garnett Hathaway. Who wouldn't have been? Right. You know, just again, the way that that man plays, he just adds another layer of physicality. Um, I think that that deal got expanded with Boston and Washington and then just made it all more appealing, all the more appealing for Don Sweeney. Like, think of what that fourth line for the Boston Bruins now is going to look like. I assume it's going to be Felino and Frederick. I assume with Hathaway. Um, but... You know, the Bruins have been such a good story all the way through. I, I defy anyone to look at that team and, and find a hole. Mm-hmm. Where's the hole? Is it goaltending? I don't think so. Not based on what we've seen. And I well, guess if you ask a certain leave. Boston TV analyst that suggested <laughs> yeah. that they should be treating one of their goaltenders <laughs> oh, hey. the other right. day. Crazy. Yeah, I know. So, I I'm, honestly, I, I think that this is, and it's not much different than what Toronto has done. I think this is management recognizing that this season is no fluke in Boston. It's no fluke. I mean, this team has proven that they are the top Stanley Cup contender. So why not give them every opportunity, eliminate every excuse possible so that they've got the best chance possible? And I, I think that was the motivation here for the Boston Bruins. And I I don't really think it has anything to do with what Toronto did or what Tampa Bay might do or some of the other teams in the league that are considered contending teams. Darren Dreger with us here on First Up. Patrick Kane, um, we're seven days away from the deadline. I mean, the guy's on fire right now. And yesterday, I thought it was very fascinating, Dregs, that the Rangers held a couple of players out for trade-related reasons, which is the new thing in the oh, NHL no, this year. roster management. Whatever, roster management, trade-related reasons. I think it's pretty clear that there's something going on yeah. with New York. Is the yeah. Kane to New York thing heating up again? 
Well, it wasn't as of last night. You know, look, everybody, including the Blackhawks, probably the Rangers, uh, any other team that's got some interest in Patrick Kane is waiting for Kane to make his decision. You know, the expectation is that a decision would come this week. Well, we're Friday. So is it coming today? Yeah, I suppose we're going to find out. Um, interesting for sure that, uh, that you know, the two players were, were held out of the lineup. I'm a little wary on Kratzoff, uh, only because of the, the relationship with the New York Rangers, right? I mean, that relationship hasn't been good seemingly from, from day one. So I don't want to read too much into it, but you also can't ignore the possibility. I did hear late last night that, you know, the Rangers are looking to get creative the way that, again, Toronto, St. Louis did, Washington, Boston, Minnesota involved in both those and broker out some of the money. So if they're doing that, is that because there's a decent chance they're going to take a run at, at Patty Kane? Uh, I mean, anything is possible. Anything is possible. But it starts with Patrick Kane first making the decision that he wants to be traded. And then after that, yeah, I'm sure New York and other teams will do their best to try and step up. You know, I, I keep looking at some of the other clubs. I mean, we're focused on New York because of Kane's level of disappointment when Tarasenko got traded to the Rangers. But I can see a fit with Patty Kane in Dallas. And even though the Dallas Stars don't want to give up their first round draft pick, have a look at the prospect pool in Dallas. No kidding. Probably the best in the I league. Mean, it's loaded. Yeah. So, you know, but, you know, again, as we've talked about many times here, if Kane decides, yeah, I'm being, I, I want to be traded, but I want to go to the New York Rangers or I want to go to another team, that's it. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter to the Dallas Stars or the right. Vegas Knights or anybody else who wants to be involved. Dregs, we saw the Washington Capitals go into sell mode yesterday. A team that everybody's talking about, including the pan- the fans in Pittsburgh that are yelling <laughs> fire Hextall. What's going to happen with the Pittsburgh Penguins here, man? They are reeling. They are reeling. That was a nasty one last night, right? It just completely got away from them. Um, you know, the messaging out of Pittsburgh has been consistent. It's that. We, we're not getting into the rental market. Uh, we're not spending assets on something like that, but they have to do something. You see, uh, Rob Rossi, longtime reporter in Pittsburgh, reported last night that he believes Penguins have interest in Jake Checker with the Arizona Coyotes. Wow. Um, that's interesting, right? Uh, I, but I, I'd be surprised because, guys, you know, again, the asking price maybe gets altered a little bit team by team. But I know that, you know, if we want to, Ottawa isn't in this anymore with Chickering unless something changes. Um, but, it, you know, not that long ago, it was still first and a top prospect like a Ridley Greg. Um, I mean, is Pittsburgh going to do that for, for Jake Chickering? But they do need to do something. They've, uh, they've got to address some concerns. But what we saw last night uh, against a, a good Edmonton Oilers team, by the way, I don't think Jake Chickering, he'll help, but he's not changing things entirely. There's got to be some work internally there. It just feels like something's amiss. I know that sounds obvious, but I just can't quite put a finger on on, on what it is. That team has been so good so long. Mm-hmm. Mike Sullivan has been such a good coach, but I don't know. There's something off there, either from management to coach to management to the team. I, it, just something's off there. Lots of intrigue around the NHL right now. Seven days until the deadline. Again, it's the Leafs and the Wild tonight on TSN. Darren, we'll watch for you as always. 
I don't worry about Dot the Ear or the O Dog or Dave Poole. I'm zoned <laughs> in on my guy, Darren Dreger. Thank you for doing this. All right. All right. All right. You too. I think bro. we might have lost Darren Dreger there at the end. In any case, man, I'm looking at the Rangers right now. If they were to bring in Kane, their top six Kreider, Zabinijad, Kane, Panarin, Trocek, Tarasenko, then their third line, the kid line with Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kako. Yeah. Jeez. Dangerous. That is na- and in they net. have Shesterkin in that. That is a powerhouse yeah. of, a, of a top three lines. And they've got Adam Fox, Norris Trophy winner on the back end, too. That's a move I'm looking to make if I'm the Rangers. And MJ outlined it yesterday, how they could do it cap-wise. It's, it's possible, but it's just a matter of are they willing to sacrifice the assets. From all accounts, people that I spoke to close to the Rangers, that their focus is on bringing in a bottom six forward. And I don't see Kane fitting in that bottom six. Oh, no, no. He's a top line conversation. Player. But I mean, again, if, if Patrick Kane comes out and says, the Rangers are the only team that I want to go to, if you're the Rangers, how do you not sit there and try to make it happen? And if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, how do you not do good by Patrick Kane and say, okay, we know we're not going to get the best value in any trade we get for you, but. We're going to do everything we can to make you happy and get what you want because of what you've been able to allow us to, you know, receive as, as an organization. So it's going to be fascinating. I think any one of those teams that Dregs mentioned, Vegas, Dallas, Carolina, Rangers, does Toronto fit in that mix too? Remains to be seen. Anthony LaPanta. he's waiting for. Anthony LaPanta. Amit Man. Matt Cause and Matt Larkin still to come here on First Up. Busy third hour ahead. And our McDonald's order on the way. We're very excited here in studio here at TSN 1050. We'll be back with hour three after this.